There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, what changes, if any, should the Bucks make during the bye week? And where do you start, on offense or the defense? And the Bucks' next opponent, Tennessee, they won behind Ryan Tannehill on Sunday over the Chargers. We've got all the NFL action, including Teddy Bridgewater goes 5-0 and with Drew Brees out. He'll be back next week. The Gators got a gritty win at South Carolina, while Florida State and South Florida may have coaches continue on the hot seat. And we've got the Astros and the Nationals in the World Series as Jose Altuve finishes the Yankees off with his walk-off homer in the ninth inning on Saturday. All that and more, along with the Tampa Bay Lightning on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Steve, I'm finally back. I'm back from London. You're back. Um, yeah, I know. It's, it's, uh, it's, it, it has been a long time, because that's why it feels like a long time. But my thanks to you, especially for, uh, for pulling all the load, and, and along with, I guess you had Tom Jones and Matt Baker, right? Uh, yeah, and uh, Mark Topkin, too. We kind of recapped the race season and looked ahead yeah. to the off season, So That's awesome. If you missed those, Good you can always grab those anywhere you grab your podcast. So they were in last week's shows. Well, I haven't talked to anybody, uh, least of all you, uh, about uh, you know all the shenanigans that went on over there and tomfoolery in London. Let me just say, look, I'm not a 22, 25 year old you know professional athlete flying in first class and um, you know with the compression socks and the Blu-ray glasses. I get it, but this travel thing, dude, this is this is a real deal. I mean, this is. I mean, what they're attempting to do here is insane. Um, we've flown, I think, about 17,000 of the 24,000 miles that they're going to fly this year or something like that, 20,400, something. We still got a Seattle and, trip, so you still got a big ball club. Yeah, we do. We, we got uh, Tennessee next, next Saturday, next Sunday, and then um, at Seattle, which is, you know, although as far as you can go in the NFL if you're going to stay in the U.S., uh, and then, then they'll come home, but there's still trips, obviously, to uh, to Atlanta and Detroit. I think they have one. So we're not we're not through this uh, this gauntlet just yet. And I don't think players they didn't look tired in London per se, um, although they, they played terrible. But I I do think that at some point, by the time they get done with Seattle, it's going to be major fatigue time because I know they got this week off as a, as a bye week. In fact. Bruce Arians not only gave him um, the entire week, with the exception of guys like JPP and some practice squad guys we can talk about in a minute, but basically they're not even practicing uh, today. Uh, he's giving them until Tuesday, uh, which is when they'll be back. So he gave them even an extra day. So trying to get, obviously, as much rest as he can. And, man, you need it because these airplanes, um, you know, when you're not sleeping right, um, you know, I everybody in my family got sick. We took the girls over there. It was a disaster. Um <laughs> We we pl- I mean we planned on them you know they saw London which was cool and they really enjoyed that but both of them got sick my my youngest got sick during the game um, then the other one got sick all oh, over I think me a lot on the airplane as we pulled into Miami so oh right you think I mean that look that's as bad that's as bad as ball as I've seen uh, the team play certainly Jameis play I mean six turnovers and you know I thought John Romano wrote a good column the other day um, sort of about you know, how, okay, enough already of, you know, sort of giving Jameis, 
you know, and you know, reasons why this interception or that interception occurred. You know, look, you you can look at that throughout the NFL. I, I watched all these games today on the Red Channel, um, which to me is the only way to watch the NFL on Sunday. But you know, there are receivers that run routes poorly. They drop balls that are deflected and intercepted. Um, there's poor protection on every team. You know, this stuff happens regularly, and so. Apples to apples, I mean, when you lead the league in turnovers since 2015, you're probably not doing a good job of protecting the football, right? Um, and yet, after that game, you know, one of the first things, and I, I thought Bruce kind of hit it, tried to hit it down the middle of the fairway a little bit, but, you know, in addition to saying, you know, you can't do it, um, he also said that, you know, well, you know, the first one, Mike doesn't come back for the ball, and then, you know, we had another one where his arm was hit, and he did say three sacks were on him. He should have thrown the ball away and that sort of thing. And he did he did follow that up on last Monday and say that, it, you know, if it happens again, he'd be be very concerned. But we know that game is out there, right? I mean, Jameis has, a you know, an ability to sort of put these games behind him and go on a, a pretty good run. He You know, he did that after the San Francisco game where he kind of made, you know, two pretty egregious plays and then went on, like, the three best games that he's played. Um, so I think he'll come back from this, but th- we know that game's out there. We know another one of these games is probably down the road, and I think you know this was sort of Bruce Arians' first, I don't know, Jameis Winston experience, if you will. And I mean, this guy is almost halfway through his fifth season. We're not talking about a rookie quarterback. Um, you know what I think's making him look bad, Steve, is guys like Kyle Allen, who are young guys that are getting their first bite of the apple. Um, Teddy Bridgewater, who hadn't played a lot of football until recently goes 5-0 and with the New Orleans Saints. You know, when you start seeing other quarterbacks that either haven't played or had to, you know, be put in, in tough positions with the starters going down, and, and maybe they're on good, better football teams. I mean, I'll, I'll allow that. And, and maybe they're really well coached because I think Sean Payton does a terrific job. But, you know, I mean, today, Teddy Bridgewater goes into Chicago. They don't have Alvin Kamara. They don't have their tight end. I mean, they're, they're really hamstrung, and yet – uh, they they demolished the Bears, which might say more about the Bears, who are terrible than than the Saints. But nonetheless, he's five and zero, um, and we know that you know Kyle Allen hasn't lost a game. They're talking about maybe not even replacing him with Cam Newton when Cam is ready. But those sort of those sort of you know jobs that these guys are doing um, by comparison makes makes Jameis look pretty bad. Well, I mean, this is what his fifth full season, and so. What? How many games he started? What probably low fifties before going into the season, as far as games. I mean, by now you should have a better. Tom Jones and I talked about this last week. To me, it looks like Jameis doesn't make decisions quick enough. He doesn't go through progressions quick enough. He doesn't make decisions quick enough, which is why he gets sacked more and he's holding on the ball too long mm-hmm. because he's not going through and making the progressions and the decisions quick enough. And uh, that's what I don't see improving in him. I think his ability to read defenses is getting better. I think his ability to understand the offense, and and granted it's a new offense this year too, I I see those things getting better, which is why some of his stats continue to improve. But I don't see the decision-making, the timeliness and the speed with which quarterbacks have to do that today progressing enough. I just don't see that improving with Jameis enough. No, I, I would agree with you, and I, I think, too, going into that game, he knew that he was without a couple guys on the right side of his offensive line, and, and I think that that's you know, a matter of trust. When you, when you don't trust your protection, you tend to look at it a little bit and worry about it, and the, the irony was is that it was Ali Marpet who got beat one-on-one and Donovan Smith who got beat one-on-one that you know, allowed some of the early sacks, and so it wasn't necessarily the new guys that were playing. It was 
the people you'd expect to protect them, protect them well. We, we, I went back and forth with people on Twitter about this. I mean, you know, first of all, there was a report uh, by Mike Freeman, I think, um, uh, NFL.com or someplace. I'm not sure where Mike works now. Might have been Yahoo Sports. But um, in any event, he wrote that uh, both the Titans with Marcus Mariota uh, and they replaced him with Ryan Tannehill and the Bucks with Jameis Winston, that both franchises have sort of privately decided that they, they will probably move on from those guys. And, and all I would say is that, you know, I don't think it's the Bucks that's putting that out. I mean, they sort of made it sound like these are people around the league that have talked to these teams. Uh, it's probably true about Tennessee. I mean, when you replace the quarterback and, and their whole approach, I talked to John Robinson in the spring, you know, it was just the opposite of what the Bucks wanted to do. The Bucks wanted no competition for Jameis. I mean, uh, you know, in, in as much as, uh, as they could kind of clear the, the deck and have him not looking over his shoulder, whereas, you know, in the case of Tennessee, they wanted to bring in somebody who had played before that if Marcus Mariota didn't play well, they could go to him, and they did in Ryan Tannehill. So that might be a little different in Tennessee than it is here. My my gut feeling here is that while this really did sort of shake the coaching staff a little bit to their core, and I'm not just talking about B.A., although it starts with him, but some other guys on that staff did not see this coming. I mean, they thought they were past this, to be honest with you, in OTAs and training camp and preseason – then they had a little hiccup, you know, in the season opener, and then they thought, well, you know, he had turned the corner, and now to see sort of this sort of awful game um, by him and the offense really was just just sort of, I don't know, sort of gut-wrenching for them. And so they think he'll bounce back. Look, he's got 10 games. Um, I think the rest of this season, as it was when the season started, is a referendum on Winston. I don't think it's about anybody else. But this football team has some issues. I mean, it, it is clearly – you know, the quarterback has the ball every play, and, and he has to be the one that protects it. And he can certainly lose the game, as Jameis did, you know, when they went over to London. And it was just a, a bad – it was bad ball. But that defense has got issues. I mean, the, for starters, I don't know how you can be number one against the run. I mean, number one in, in against the running backs they've played, right, Todd Gurley's and Alvin Kamara's and Christian McCaffrey's, and not allow even 70 yards a game, but then turn around and have the worst pass defense in the NFL. Now, that might say something about the way teams attack you because they're, they're averaging 305 yards a game through the air. Why the hell would we try to run it? But um, it's so lopsided in terms of, you know, the way they're playing that, you know, that the back end, I think, of that defense in particular, you know, the Vernon Hargraves and um, Carlton Davis and, and those guys are just not playing well. And I don't know, you know, uh, that's one of the things I'm sure that, you know, they drafted three new defensive backs this year. I'm sure that's one of the things that Jason Light and, and Bruce Arians are looking at during the bye week. I, I wrote a column on TampaBay.com if you want to check it out. Just sort of the sort of five things I think that, you know, the Bucks have to look at during this bye week. And, again, we'll talk to Bruce Arians uh, tomorrow uh, when the team returns. Uh, but we've already, we've already mentioned one of them, and I just, I just think, you know, holding Winston more accountable. Um, I know he's all about – you know, coach them hard, hug them up later. I, I think the hugs need to stop. I think they've hugged them enough. And, you know, it's time for some some tougher love, perhaps. Now, I don't know what happens behind closed doors. I'm sure they coach them hard. Um, but again, Arian said, if it happens again, it'll concern the hell out of me. Well, you should be there already. Um, as far as something else they could do is, is get their best receivers on the field. I mean, I, you know, I know Bruce's offense likes to employ, you know, when they when they go to a passing offense, it's three wide receivers, 
Um, you know, you've got Evans and Godwin in the slot, and then they bring in another guy, whether that's Brashard Perriman or lately Scotty Miller, uh, and then one tight end, which is O.J. Howard. Well, you know what? It's time to get rid of that third receiver because those guys are not productive. Perriman's been hurt. Maybe he comes back. Maybe he doesn't. Scotty Miller has not produced. Jameis can't throw to guys that don't have a big catching radius to begin with. So it's time to find a way to get, you know, both – Cameron Brait and O.J. Howard on the field at the same time. The other thing they need to do is make Ronald Jones their their running back number one. I mean, he should be RB one. I don't care really, you know, how who starts the game. Although it doesn't make sense to me if you're going to win the coin toss uh, and then elect to take the ball, where most teams with the analytics decide to defer. Um, but you want the ball and you want to start out fast. Why wouldn't you want your best running back in the football game to start the game? It, it just it doesn't make sense. I mean. Peyton Barber's a 3.7, 3.8 yard guy his entire career. And that's where he's at again. In fact, he's at 3.5 this year. Um, at least Jones has had some games in the five yard per carry range. He's got at least one, you know, run of 41 yards. And so I think they need to to get him involved and just make sure he touches the ball 20, 25 times a game in some way. And then they got to look at the secondary and maybe shuffle that up. I mean, we talked about Hargraves. Maybe you move him inside to the slot. Uh, maybe you give Jamel Dean a chance. We know if Mike Edwards is healthy, he's going to play safety. Um, but it's time to to try to to mix some things up because Hargraves is just not playing very good ball. And then the final thing, and I don't think this will happen, but you know what? Bruce Arians may want to consider calling some plays. Um, I don't know anything about Byron Leftwich as a play caller. They they tell me he's he's very bright. I'm sure he is. And and really, it's kind of hard to nitpick because they're fifth in the league in scoring. So it's all about points, and he's putting them up. So it's not as if everything he's done is bad. Um, but you'd wonder if, if Bruce were more involved in the game planning during the week, if uh, if he could create something that was a little more consistent. So those are the things that uh, you know. I think they're probably looking at. In addition to, they'll get JPP back maybe for this Tennessee game, which will really help them. They cut Bobo Wilson. Like, that was their big solution, right? He's the one that had... Uh, the muff punt, so he's gone. Um, you know, but other than that, they haven't done a whole hell of a lot. Um, but we'll see what uh, what Bruce. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Darius has to say today, uh, or I'm sorry, on uh, Tuesday when we get a chance to talk to him. Uh, as far as uh, college football, did you catch any of that? I guess the, I watched the Gator game a little bit. They had a uh, a pretty good win, I thought, at South Carolina. Of course, South Carolina upset Georgia, and they, they kind of grinded it out. I thought it was I thought it was impressive. They sort of wore South Carolina down. Yeah, no, I thought it was a good follow up game. I mean, you always worry about as you're coming off that LSU loss, you know how you respond. But I, I think it helped that South Carolina beat Georgia the week before because now you can't take them lightly. Yeah. And I thought the Gators did a good job. As you you put it right, I mean they grinded it out, which is what good teams do. I mean you don't you don't always have to mm-hmm. win pretty. That's okay. Find a way to win. Mm-hmm. That's what the Gators did. Florida State, I guess, was an abomination again. And then uh, South Florida, I watched some of that game against Navy. Navy's a a tough team to play. 
in in terms of you know the triple option they they just they limit your possessions i mean the the quarter goes by so fast that you might only have the ball uh twice in in, in a quarter if you're not careful um but that offense is is just terrible and i, I think it's you know, it, it was clear the quarterback was was a little hurt and and not one hundred percent. He missed a lot of open receivers. They had chances to make plays. I don't know where Charlie Strong is going to go from here, but it's all bad right now at South Florida. So they've they've got to come up with some answers over there. And of course, we know Blake Barnett's out for the year. So um, you know, we don't know what his future is going to be with USF. So Matt Baker and I talked last week about if you look at their schedule, how ugly it is. I mean, they're three and three. They play Navy, which they lost bad. They'll get mm-hmm. East Carolina this week, which they should win that game. Then you get Temple, Cincinnati, Memphis, and UCF. I don't think you see another mm-hmm. win. I, next yeah. week at ECU is is their best shot at a win, and you may not get another one after that this year. Yeah, that's that's going to be rough. Speaking of looking ahead, what happened to my Wisconsin Badgers? Or I should say my wife's Wisconsin Badgers. Oh, my goodness. Lovey Smith. It was not The very biggest win of his career. <laughs> no, he was not. Uh, you know, all Wisconsin had to do, and they didn't play a great game, obviously. They had an 11-point lead that they blew um, sort of in the fourth quarter. But even even at that, they're, they're sort of near midfield, and there's about two minutes to go, maybe, maybe about that or maybe even less. But um, on third down, I mean, even if you just run the ball there and punt it away against the number one defense in the nation, if you think Illinois is going to drive the ball 80 yards on you um, – Maybe they don't have to drive at 80 to kick a field goal to win it, but at least you give them you know, a much longer field there. Instead, the quarterback uh, throws an interception, and then, of course, they go down and kick the field goal. And, yeah, huge win. And that screws everything up, right? Because speaking of looking ahead, they're looking ahead to Ohio State. Um, so Wisconsin's going to drop way, way, way down in the polls. I, I don't think they beat Ohio State, but even with a loss to them, if that had been their first loss, they could have maybe run the table and faced Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship and then – then everything's back on, but mm-hmm. um, that was that was a tough loss for them. Very tough loss. And Michigan uh, got down early to Penn State, battled back, mm-hmm. but Penn State held on with the defensive stand late, and uh, so they they remain undefeated. Michigan now with two losses in the Big Ten. Yeah, it's tough that kid dropped the ball uh, in the end zone there, and he's he's a really good receiver too. And I know he was had tears coming out of his eyes. I, th- I thought it was a gritty comeback for them too. I mean, I thought they, that game could have gotten completely out of hand. But Steve, how many games? What games can they win? That's on the schedule still. Well, they get they host Notre Dame this coming week. Um, mm-hmm. That's another night game. They want to be in Ann Arbor. You still have uh, Ohio State at home, uh, but you've got you've got a few other games. I don't remember the schedule off the top of my head, but the Big Ten still has some pretty weak teams. And hold on, let me pull it up here. Uh, they get at Maryland, then you get Michigan State at home, at Indiana, and Ohio State at home. Okay, well, so Indiana, Michigan State's not a very good team. Although they've struggled with them in the past. They, but, could, they uh, could win at Maryland. Yes, absolutely. I don't see them absolutely beating Ohio could. State. No, I don't either. Ohio State is, to me, the best team in the country. I tell you who's good too is Oklahoma. Um, it wouldn't surprise me whether it's Ohio State, Alabama. Of course, I mean, LSU. You know, Clemson don't forget LSU. has sort of bounced back. LSU has – LSU, I still think, has the best quarterback in the nation. I, I think that kid's going gonna to find himself – um, maybe at the top of the NFL draft. Now uh, Tua is hurt for Alabama. He looks like he's going to be maybe miss a week or two. Um, that's going to be tough for them. But, uh, but yeah, I, it's uh, LSU looks really strong right now. And whoever wins the SEC, uh, whether that's Alabama or LSU, you know, you could have a one-loss team, SEC team, that makes it to the finals. That's happened before. 
Um, but you know, wouldn't it be interesting if Oklahoma and Jalen Hurts wanted up playing Alabama as one of the one of the four you know four game or two games uh, in a national semifinal or something like that, or even the championship? Um, that would be fun. So, so did you catch any of this American League Championship Series? I I actually was in London when the Rays played, of course, uh, game what was it, game five in mm-hmm. Houston, and you know Tyler Glass now was obviously tipping off his pitches, and the first six guys I think got hits. Uh, so that was unfortunate. Um, saw that one sort of on Twitter, get away from them early. Um, but they did take him to five games, and, of course, it was a great year from the Rays. And I know you've talked to Mark Tompkin about uh, sort of what their plans are moving forward. Uh, but Houston, who I still have thought, uh, even going into the playoffs, was maybe the best team in baseball. Man, that game the other night was a, was a classic. I mean, it really was. I mean, you know, the, the Yankees get the two-run homer in the ninth to tie it, and then you go to the bottom of the night with Adrolis Chapman on the mound and – he walks a guy, and then Jose Altuve, what a stud. I mean, you know, five foot six. this guy is the, the greatest small Major League Baseball player of all time. I mean, I don't think there's ever been a guy his size um, that's got, you know, Hall of Fame potential and probably will be there one day. We talked um, about it on the Rays broadcast blasted. a couple weeks ago um, with Andy Freed, and it was guys like Yogi Bear is about his size. Mm-hmm. I think he was 5'7". Um, there was one or two mm. others, but I think mm-hmm. by the time Altuve's career is done, he definitely will be the best of the you know below five foot eight. Let's say uh, it, it was tremendous. It was it was great. And, and look, I mean, you know, I know the Yankees had some injuries, and and uh, they made a nice comeback in that game. Uh, it was a well played game. The defense, I think, is underrated by the Astros. They had some defensive plays that probably saved that game. Uh, Carlos Correa, by the way, he turned a double play. I think it threw it over there about 95 miles an hour from, from second. No, no, it, so it, they, it was. StatCast said 94.5 miles an hour. I mean, that, that was just ridiculous. And and so, you know, they, they did it all right. Of course, we know their starting pitching is phenomenal. Although Verlander's, you know, had some early inning hiccups like he did uh, against the Rays. But, um, you know, and then the Nationals. I mean, who saw, you know, what a great, what a story they are. Um, it seemed like. You know the start they got off to. I thought maybe Davey Martinez would get wind up getting fired. You know uh, Bryce Harper goes to the Phillies. I mean you got all this sort of rancor going on. They get off to a terrible start. They make the playoffs as a wild card, right? They uh, eliminate the Dodgers, and then here they are with their starting pitching. So boy, this series when you look at the starting pitching and the way it lines up, it's going to be phenomenal. Oh, you've got Garrett Cole going against Max Scherzer in Game One. You got Justin Verlander going against Steven Strasburg in Game Two. Doesn't get mm. any better than that. Mm. Yeah, no, that's that's going to be good stuff. And good for Washington, who hasn't had a team, I think, uh, go this far since like 1926 or something, uh, which even I don't remember. But, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's exciting. I know I have a lot of Washingtonian-type fans, sports fans, uh, and they're always, you know, of course we know the Capitals for years until they finally won the Stanley Cup, um, uh, you know, beating Lightning in uh, in the Eastern Conference Finals. But, you know, for years they were always the bridesmaids, right? And then you know the Wizards have done that in the past, and um, of course the Nationals have uh, had had their problems, and the Redskins haven't won a Super Bowl in in quite a while. So it it's been it's been a long time that drought. Seeing that go over, there's there's a lot of you know sort of jaded DC fans right now that are um, really happy about what went on there. And how about Davey Martinez? I mean, look, the Joe Madden tree is alive and well, and now I'm hearing you know even more of his former coaches are getting interviewed for jobs. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, you put it best. When you know, Davy Martinez was going to get fired halfway through the season, and, and if you know the media or a lot of fans were to say, he would have been. So, kudos to Washington for sticking with their plan and sticking with their manager too, and and it's paid off for them. So, but you know, and Romano had a great column last week, you know, about the pitching and how, despite the opener and and how. All teams are using uh, pitching a lot differently in matchups and and thinking things differently in pitching. That this year, it's Verlander, Cole, and Granke for Strasburg and Scherzer. It's been the stud pitching that's got your team to the World Series. You know, presumably, I mean, if they were healthy, nobody expected Blake Snell to be out the way he was this year. And Tyler Glass now was pitcher of the month in April, and then he got hurt and didn't come back. Never really built up his innings all that much. So I mean, if you had him, uh, you know, Snell and Glass now and got another great year out of Charlie Morton. I mean, those are three, you know, real horses for you that could uh, carry the Rays a long way, and they'd probably develop another one along the way. So, uh, you know, they they potentially have uh, those that, that kind of ability on their staff, and, and I think in their minor leagues as well. Yeah, I mean, you look at Anthony Bonda, you look at Jose De Leon, you look at Brent Honeywell, who you hope to have back in the fold this year, and then the development of Yanni Chirinos and Ryan Yarborough, um, the last two seasons and how they've kind of went mm. from following the openers into starters now that you've got seven or eight potential starting pitchers on this race team now where the use of the opener and bullpen days may be a lot less next year and going forward because you have more starting pitchers. All right, and I've missed uh, most of the lightning start. It's not been a great one, but, of course, I saw him the other night against uh, Colorado, who, who I guess is a really good team. I thought they played okay. I mean, I, I saw the final score. It was 1-1. I think when I turned it off, I thought the lightning was – pretty dominant at times but uh, their goaltender made some phenomenal saves i don't know what happened in that game but where are they as a team are they still in a kind of a feeling out process with some of the new players i think that's part of it their play has been extremely inconsistent and and a lot of their mistakes are ending up in the back of the net but i think you know defensively i think they're still trying to figure things out they don't have anton strawman you don't have dan girardi you know how kevin shattenkirk is in there um, and you're tr- still trying to figure out defensive partners. I mean, you started off with Shattenkirk with Hedman, and then you you know McDonough and Chernak, and then you have Coburn and Sergachev. Now you're trying um, Chernak with Hedman some, and moving Shattenkirk with Ryan McDonough, and, and you're, you're just switching things around a lot, not trying to figure that out. I mean, specifically on Saturday night against Colorado, which is a really good team. If you lose that way to Colorado and give up that many goals, you'd expect that that top line, which their top line rivals the Lightning's top line of uh, Miko Rantanen, uh, Nathan McKinnon, and Landeskog, you would think they would have piled up the points in that game. And they really, the Lightning held them in check pretty well, but they gave up a lot of other opportunities. And it seemed like every mistake was ending up in the back of their net. I didn't think they played awful, but it's kind of been the tale of the season. They haven't played a lot of stinker games. They haven't played great very much either. They've been playing, they've been feeling it out, but they've been very inconsistent. And and specifically Saturday night, too, Eric Chernak gets a five-minute fighting penalty. And during that five-minute fighting penalty is when they get three goals scored on them, which you're playing down at five defensemen and your pairings are all messed up. I don't know if that really had – you could say that's why they had three goals at their net in three minutes, but it was definitely a factor as the defensive pairings were all shifted around and everything else. So I think the Lightning have to figure out how to play more consistently is the biggest thing I would say. All right, well, the Lightning will host the Pittsburgh Penguins at Emily Arena. That'll be on Wednesday night. Uh, We've got game one of the World Series, of course, Washington Nationals against the Houston Astros, and that will be on Tuesday uh, coming up. So also we're going to have a mailbag uh, segment, so get your questions in. Uh, The way you do that is you can reach us on Twitter at SportsDayTB. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud, or my email address is rstroud at Tampa Bay. 
Bucks.com. We'll answer your questions about anything, really, whether it's uh, the Bucks, the, the Rays, the Lightning, uh, USF, Florida, Florida State, you name it. Bring it to us, and uh, we'll answer those for you uh, on, uh, on, on, I guess, Tuesday's show. So uh, we'll also have Matt Baker later this week, of course, to talk uh, more college football. We've got a lot going on. We appreciate you guys joining us, hanging in there. My thanks to Steve, of course, as always. Uh, you know, it was, it was a long ride over to London, a longer ride back, and I'm um, a bit under the weather. We're going to fight through all that. Uh, but it's good to be back home, and uh, we'll see. You know, the Bucks have this big game coming up against Tennessee, of course, who, uh, you know, they won. Uh, had the goal line stand against the, the Chargers, so that won't be an easy game. And then it's on to Seattle after that. So these next two weeks going to be really important for a two and four Buccaneer team under Bruce Arians that uh, you know they hoped would be better than this, and see if they can turn things around and get back to 500 and, and, and see where they wind up here at the end of the year. So uh, my thanks to Steve Versnick. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Uh, we'll talk to you mailbag tomorrow. Have a good day, everybody. 